Welcome to the African Cities Podcast. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Stephen Gelb. I am a senior research associate at ODI in London, uh, but in the African Cities Research Consortium, ACRC, I lead the neighborhood and district economic development domain, which is one of the eight domains in the project. And I'm sitting here actually in Manchester with uh, Philip Heinrichs uh, from the uh, Sahel and West Africa Club within the OECD. So, Philip, welcome to Manchester and maybe just uh, introduce yourself if you like and then and, and say a little bit about the Sahel and West Africa Club and then we'll get into the report. Sure. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, pleasure to be here in Manchester. I'm Philip Heinrichs. I'm head of unit at the Southern West Africa Club at the OECD and leading our work on cities and urbanization and food system transformation. Great to have you. And we, Philip and I are going to have this conversation about a report which has recently come out from the OECD, uh, UNECA and the African Development Bank, which on which he was the lead author. It's called Africa's Urbanization Dynamics 2022, the Economic Power of African Cities. Um, and I'll just say right at the beginning that, you know, I've read it to prepare for today. It's a very, very interesting and I think important report, I think breaking a lot of ground in terms of analyzing urbanization in Africa um, and in particular from the economic perspective, which is, of course, the perspective that I'm coming at it from. So, Philip, why did you do this report and what does the OECD hope to achieve by bringing it out? Yes, uh, thank you. Very good question. So the idea for the report came from from talks and exchanges with colleagues at UNICA and the African Development Bank on the need to present a thorough data analysis on the economic contribution of cities and urbanization in Africa to development. Um, in the past, there have been reports uh, and studies, uh, but in many cases, they have been rather local or on a smaller sample of cities and countries. So what we did here is we looked at uh, around 4 million uh, individuals and firms in 2,600 cities across 34 countries in Africa and uh, analyzed socioeconomic indicators and performance uh, across this uh, uh, survey, this, this sample of data. And so what do you hope to achieve with it? Can you, what are its main goals, aside from just doing some good analysis? Yeah, <laughs> I forgot to get onto this. Um, we, we believe that cities and urbanization is an incredible opportunity for Africa's development, and it is not sufficiently taken up at the policy level in Africa and outside Africa. So we thought that this publication might help clarify some of the doubts and questions around the economic contribution of cities to develop, development. And, and I think we managed to do that uh, by, by showing uh, very strong trends that are valid across the, 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 across the country and the continent, in actual fact. Okay, great. So I'm going to ask you to sort of give us the main messages, the main headlines that come out of the report. But before you 
you do that, let me just say that the report can be downloaded from the OECD website at a cost of 36 euros. Uh, I know because I tried, but it can also be, I think, much more freely downloaded, let's say, from the websites of the other two organizations, uh, the UN Economic Commission on, for Africa, UNECA, and the African Development Bank. So people who want to read it, and I think after, I hope after our discussion that you will want to read it, um, I think go to, go to those two websites. But Philip, tell us what are the main headlines, the main, um, points that you want people to hear about? So I think from the analysis, there are three key messages that come out. So the first one is that large cities perform better than small cities and small cities perform better than rural areas. So this is something we expected to see and this is also observed across the world uh, in terms of uh, socioeconomic performance. But we were surprised by the difference in performance, which is larger than in other regions uh, of the world. The second uh, message that comes out strongly is that small cities perform much better than rural areas. So here we see that there, there is a particular premium in Africa to be located in a city in terms of access to services and, and infrastructure, but also to economic opportunities. So this clearly comes out from the data and something that surprised us. And the third message from the analysis is that cities do also benefit rural areas. And again, uh, across a series of indicators like uh, access to, to uh, skilled uh, employment opportunities, uh, educational attainment, rural areas closer to cities perform better than more distant rural areas. So from the analysis, these are the three key messages uh, uh, clearly coming out uh, uh, and that we describe in detail in chapter one of the report. And it's using specific data sets which exist, but you've used them in, I think, a very creative way. Yeah, the, the constraint for this type of analysis is uh, you need geospatial data so that you can match the surveyed households or firms to a location. So uh, there are two main databases we use. The first one is the demographic and health surveys that uh, contain uh, uh, many indicators on socioeconomic uh, um, information on, on individuals and households. Uh, and we also use the living standard measurement surveys of the World Bank that also are geospatial. And then the second crucial uh, database we use, it's the Africa Polis database on cities and urbanization in Africa, which applies a homogeneous definition to what is an urban agglomeration across the African continent and includes all cities of the urban network starting at 10,000 inhabitants. So we could match the survey data to a location across the spectrum of city classes. And, you know, I think one of the things that's most impressive about the report is that it's using that data in a very original way and coming up with um, analysis which actually hasn't appeared anywhere else. It hasn't been done by academics or by other international organizations. It's very rigorous, but also aimed at a very sort of practical set of recommendations which we'll get onto. So, you know, it's relevant, I think, for policy people, but also for researchers in the urban space. Um, and one of the um, 
points that comes out in is that in your estimates around one third of GDP growth in Africa, I think for the last 30 years, has been contributed by urban by urbanization, not just by the urban areas, but by the urbanization process. And that's quite, um, I think, an important, it's important to have that sort of number that people can then, you know, do further work and see, even if it's an average across the whole continent, we can see how it applies in different contexts. Yes, uh, I mean, this number, we also felt that there was a need for producing an estimate for, for the effect of agglomeration economies. So it's 30% of GDP per capita growth, uh, to be precise. Obviously, we were constrained by the data availability. Um, we are happy for people to, to dig into that and see what they come up with. We are confident of, of the scale, but it's obviously just an estimate based on the, on the available data. But we, we think it's a lower range estimate in actual fact. But it's something to start. Of course. And stimulate more work to try to make it more accurate. Yeah. So, and you mentioned about the effects of agglomeration economies, and that's sort of where I want to take the conversation now um, because there's two things really about it. One is that you put you, ex you put agglomeration and the impact of agglomeration economically on the table and try to give this quantitative estimate of what its effects are. And But then you, and I'll just mention the two things that I'm a little bit worried about that we can discuss. One is you make the point that agglomeration in Africa, unlike other parts of the world, has not been accompanied by what we economists call structural transformation, the industrialization process, um, which improves uh employment, both in quantity, but also in quality, which improves exports, which changes what is produced. In Africa, the urbanization process has been different. And then the other point, which you mentioned, but isn't in the report, but isn't really emphasized, and I want you, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, and that's about the inequalities. Both, I think, the inequalities in terms of the benefits, but also the costs of agglomeration. But let's talk about the structural transformation and then come back to the other. Yeah, yeah, perfectly. This is actually part of the, maybe the main part why we did this report, because this... Um, in Africa, as well as internationally, this debate on, on why do we see urbanization without structural transformation and what does it imply for policymaking? Should policymakers invest into urban areas or, or, or not, right? Um, so this was one of the reasons we did this report. We wanted to have a look at the data and see, is it worthwhile investing in cities and what for? And, and I think what the data shows is that we do have agglomeration effects in, 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 in Africa. We see, for instance, that the, the, the share of skilled uh, employment is two and a half times higher on average in cities than in rural areas. We see that wage employment is higher in, in urban areas than rural areas. So we have these benefits uh, uh, that are, uh, are materializing. At the same time, um, it is true that we do not see what some people might expect to see in the data, like the, the, the massive increase in manufacturing uh, employment, something that we saw in, in the East Asian experience. Um, maybe here an important point that I would like to make is to, to uh, f 
when we talk about Africa's urbanization, I think it's it's crucial to keep in mind the dynamic of the urban growth. So over the past 30 years alone, Africa's urban population has grown by 500 million people. So this is a tripling of the total population. It's a massive growth and it's not only growth of existing cities, but this is also emergence of new cities. It's it's massive in terms of what it implies in, 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 in transforming societies, transforming political geographies, economic geographies, social life, cultural life. And it's important to keep this in mind and to judge the process that we see in, in the in the indicators we present in the context of this growth. And and we think uh, what we show is that uh, the, the performance of cities didn't improve over time in, in relative terms, but it maintained its performance. So in a sense, cities absorbed, the urban areas absorbed these 500 million people and providing them with the better opportunities in terms of jobs, employment, education. So it's in itself an achievement. But obviously going forward, there are more investments needed in making and in, in, in leveraging the agglomeration uh, effects uh, better and providing better job opportunities, better services. But maybe tell us a, a little bit about the specific, how, how does agglomeration work? Because it seems to have worked to some extent in Africa, as in other, is other parts of the world, in the sense what you're saying, that it has things, the population has grown, but it, it, their situation hasn't gotten worse. But it hasn't worked nearly as well in Africa as in other parts of the world. And so how do we understand why that has happened? Yeah, that's do we need to unpack agglomerate? I mean, in, you do in the report, you unpack it. You talk about, you know, the effects which economists talk about of um, matching, sharing, and learning. And is it something about those that is not properly working or working as well as it could in Africa as compared with other developing countries? Yes, yes. I, I, I think looking looking at the past 40 years, we can clearly say it didn't work the same as it worked uh, in other parts of the world. Um, that's the average, right? Uh, there are obviously also huge differences across African countries and across African cities and sometimes within the same country as well. Um, There, for me, there are probably three answers to why this might be the case. I think the population growth is one uh, uh, dimension. So it's a dynamic of growth, of population growth, urban growth. In societies with rapid population growth, the first objective is actually the sharing of employment opportunities and not the accumulation of, of capital in a sense. So you, you have an interest of accommodating more people to the, uh, to the economic activities without necessarily looking at, at productivity issues. So this, this might be one factor. The second, I think, is that investments into uh, into leveraging uh, agglomeration economies and and making cities work better in terms of planning, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of services, have been less than in other regions of the world. And this we also showed in the report that even compared to other low and middle income countries, African cities invest much less per capita into their cities than than countries in other and, parts of the world. And that's the 
I think particularly the sharing element of agglomeration, which by sharing is meant that when you have a large um, population in a city, it makes it cheaper on a per capita basis, it should make it cheaper on a per capita basis to build roads, build energy systems, water systems, and so on. But for some reason, this hasn't worked as well in Africa as it has in other regions like uh, East Asia or even Latin America. Is that, would that be a reasonable way of thinking about that aspect of agglomeration? See, what, what I find interesting, I, you know, I've been thinking about agglomeration quite a lot in the last year or year and a half and trying to understand. And the um, research that has been done tends to talk about these three effects of um, matching, which is basically bringing suppliers of labor, but also of inputs together with those who will buy customers. Um, And that happens more effectively and at lower cost in cities because of the population. Then there's the sharing, which is this point about infrastructure and other public facilities. It also applies, of course, in education or health and so on. It's much cheaper to supply those public goods and services in cities on a per capita basis. And then there's the learning, which is about exchange of ideas and innovation and so on. And so people talk about those as working and explaining why, you know, London and New York, Paris are big cities, successful cities in many ways and have grown in that way. But there's less interesting work, I think, trying to explain why it hasn't happened in the in the same way. You know, why Lagos, which is as big as London or Paris, is not as successful in. Um, so, you know, this it's sort of getting already into the issue of the costs of uh, agglomeration and the balance between costs and benefits. Yes, I mean, uh, I think what we have, when we say that uh, Africa's cities work well, uh, what we do in the report, it's within the context of their countries. So it's obviously not saying that Lagos, uh, Kinshasa, Joburg uh, perform as well as London, New York and Shanghai. So there is obviously, it's within the context of their countries that African cities perform much better. So why do they not perform as well as other countries? global cities uh, that you mentioned um, because I think they're they're faced with different constraints first of all it's like they're witnessing their expansion now what uh, London and New York witnessed uh, 100 years ago so now it's um, the the, the backlog and investment that is needed to make these cities work better to to increase this matching and sharing and learning take time to, 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 to fund to plan to implement and then and that's why I think we will see over time these benefits materializing. At the moment, it's not sufficient in terms of investments being done, not sufficient. And also um, the the linking, the, the, the look at how to, to best benefit from these agglomeration economies is not really in the policy agenda, I think. We, we, we try, somehow many of the economic policies are still sectoral. 
and not place-based. So we, we, we will look at a value chain in one particular sector, but we might not look why doesn't it happen in one city and one territory and what is the constraint across sectors that need to be taken care of to make the whole system work better. So it's so you're pointing very much to the context as not addressing the mechanisms that will make agglomeration work better. But so to, to take, I mean, you mentioned Shanghai, um, and there are other cities in China like Guangzhou and so on, which have actually grown and developed at the same in the same era as. Um, Lagos or Kinshasa, um, cities in India like Delhi or Mumbai in Latin America, Sao Paulo in Brazil, they seem to work a lot better um, in some, or at least, you know, they, they, country, their national economies are doing better and the cities seem to be working a little bit better in terms of linking up with you know global processes than the cities in Africa so beyond uh, that sort of global north versus global south distinction what is it that's holding things back in Africa do you think I mean I I I, I see the the <laughs> we always get taken to these big cities and talking about the, the, the metropoles we all know but I think what we did in the report is actually look at all the cities and look at the distribution at small cities, intermediary cities, inland cities, and and try to see if there's something fundamentally different about urbanization in Africa to, to the rest of the world. And what we see is... Uh, not so much because they do perform better as as we expected based on observations from other parts of the world. So now, if we were to go into the to the details of why Lagos compared to Rio and why uh, Abidjan compared, it's going to be it's a different it's a different story, I think. But I think the expansion that that is taking place in in Africa in the context of financial and administrative capacities are, are are considerable so there is um, this has to be kept in mind when we when we talk about it and china had more resources to invest in cities they had a better uh, uh, administrative framework on how to manage cities with uh, city regions provincial re- uh, cities so there was also the planning side that was uh, uh, um, adequate but also funded uh, sufficiently. And this is something we see in Africa where there's just not enough resources to, to, to keep pace with, uh, with the population growth. Okay, well, let's come back to these policy things. But before we get into that, I wanted to just talk a little bit about inequality because, um, the, you know, you say actually, I think, in the report that um, the biggest cities tend to be more unequal, even in Africa. And there's certainly a lot of OECD work which link uh, about uh, cities in Europe and so on where inequality is quite strongly associated with city size. But in the report itself, you don't talk that much about the poor, um, the people at the bottom end of the distribution. There's, I wouldn't say that there's an assumption that it's all going to happen um, for them as the you know the economies and the cities get on track, but there's not much attention 
paid to the way in which they benefit much less from the, the benefits of agglomeration. And I would say also perhaps pay a larger share of the costs associated with agglomeration like congestion, like crime, like um, high cost of housing relative to their incomes, pollution and so on, which are the sort of standard costs. And you you mentioned that briefly, but don't get into it in any detail. I wonder if you want to say something about that now. Yes, clearly. I mean, these are, these are key aspects for, for, for thinking about cities and urbanization, uh, the, uh, including the environmental aspects uh, that you mentioned. In this report, we didn't look at that in particular because as I, as we talked about it initially, the, the idea, the idea for this report was looking at other agglomeration economies, what is the contribution to, to, to well-being and GDP? Um, yes, you're right. Uh, we, we have a, a, a section on, on wealth distribution and we see that, uh, you are much more likely to be in a top wealth quintile living in a big city compared to a rural area. So in a sense, we see that the benefits from living in a city also translate in, in, in wealth uh, uh, outcomes uh, as measured by the DHS uh, um, surveys. Um, However, to, to look and, and as you say, it's, it's globally with city size inequality increases because you have, you have so many different jobs and opportunities that, that increase the spectrum of what you can do and how you're uh, paid for these uh, opportunities. Uh, we think it's important to, to in the, in, uh, in the policy arena. Now, when we think about, okay, urbanization is going to continue for the next 20, 30 years in Africa. How do we plan this expansion? And how, how do we think, for instance, about poor households? How do we think about their access to opportunities, to their access to services? This, I think, should be one of the key issues that have to be in the urban plans, uh, uh, for, for the, for the few, for, for Africa's future cities. No, and I think, you know, that's really, I think the thing we should get on to talk about now. I mean, because you've got, and it's, again, it's mentioned in, it's in the report and also interestingly in the report at the end, they, uh, OECD got four or five people to write almost responses, but on particular things they were interested in. One of our ACRC, um, colleagues, the team leader in Lagos, wrote a very interesting short piece on what she called Weighthood. It's by uh, Tebat Lawanson, who's at one of the universities in Lagos. And she refers to Weighthood as being a kind of state of suspended animation almost between childhood and adulthood, which is very relevant in Africa, where you've got very large numbers of young people who can't really access the workforce because there's not enough jobs there. Um, and so they forced back onto their own resources in terms of creating livelihoods. And this, as we know, is the situation of the majority of the population in most African cities is that they're working in the so-called informal sector at very low productivity, low earning um, activities. Um, and so 
you you know you then got to think well how do we move beyond that how does africa start uh growing i mean it is growing but it's got to change the nature and direction and sort of structure of that the quality of that growth in order to create more jobs uh, create more wealth in the society and so you know let's talk a little bit about what the report says about that and what you think and you know i've obviously got my own okay. ideas but sure. you go, go ahead yeah maybe just quickly to the last chapter of the report where where we have uh, Taiwan Lavanson and other people the idea for the section was actually knowing that we take a very limited view on urbanization on the, on the socioeconomic right so we thought we invite different perspectives just to show how how broad the subject is and how much comes in there so to tease a bit you know the different dimensions of what it needs uh, and what it is living in a city and what makes agglomeration and how the reality is um we also yes we also have uh, looked at some of the policies some of the the implications that come out of this work and for us we we structured them around three key messages so there there needs to be better inclusion of citizen urbanization and national development planning there needs to be more local economic development strategies and plans by local government by by local areas and there needs to be thinking about how are we going to fund uh, uh, these programs and pro uh, policies so at the national policy level for us it's put simply it's besides sectoral policies there has to be a more territorial place-based approach to to how policies the same policies might lead to different outcomes and different regions uh, do not have the same constraints uh, same opportunities so we have to have a better inclusion of the differences and 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 particular features of cities right um also what we say in the section is to focus not only on the capital city not only on the biggest city but the entire urban network connect the urban network better but also look at the rural urban linkages so broadly speaking this is this on the local economic development this is this is where you have you need to have this um this complementarity between national policies national objectives national strategies but then you also need uh, the local complement to it so how do you implement it in, in a local area what are the specificities of this local of these local areas in terms of endowments opportunities constraints so by local do you mean areas within cities or smaller cities or usually we refer to local government areas so these uh, so jurisdictions yeah jurisdictions that are in charge of implementing certain policies or service delivery uh, activities and then so and w when you say um you've got to have the policies uh the same policies but they will have different outcomes in a way the way i read it in this idea of the place based is that you've got to have the same sort of philosophy and policy strategy yeah. and but the first step which i think is very important is to understand the place and what is happening in each place is different and what's the analysis of the place then decides the specific policy interventions that might work in that place but would not work 
somewhere else, which has a different starting point. Um, so in a way, the policies are not going to be the same, although the approach to policy making almost is this, you know, is, is one that you're pushing. That's what I understand by place. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. This is exactly what it is. So you, you have national strategies or plans or policies like educational policies or environmental policies or economic policies. But then again, you, even if you have like uh, the the uh, the educational policy, you can say this is the target in terms of uh, educational attainment, capacities, female uh, uh, gender balance in, in education facilities. But then does it need in some places it needs a school and others it need teachers and uh, in, in other places something else. So this is how you translate the national policy strategy into effective operational measures at the local level. So this is the where where the local becomes the the translation of a national strategy. But at the same time, besides that, there's also a need for local economic development policies so that they are developed based on on potential within potential and constraints within a, a specific territory. So this can be developing a biotechnology cluster based on, on having a good university department in biology and then trying to find the funding. Or you have, uh, uh, you're based in a, in a cocoa planting area and then you need uh, to, to attract investments into the cocoa value chain. So really see what your local economy has as potential. Where's the constraints? Who do you need to bring together to make this sector grow and, and uh, provide opportunities for, for, for your local And looking at the potential means looking at the sectors and what's being produced, but also I think at the skills yeah. composition of your labor force, which you've obviously got to increase and improve, but you're starting from what it is now and it's best to begin with a good analysis of yeah. what you have. Yeah, it's always easier to start with something that you already have a foot in, right? So basing your strategies on something that you, you know you can develop, it's, it's in many cases easier than, uh, than starting uh, some, something from scratch. So that this is, and their local governments do have the advantage of better knowledge uh, of, of the area and more contact and coordination with the different stakeholders that are necessary to, to, to drive these policies uh, and implement. Coordination was the next word I wanted to pick up on, so I'm glad you mentioned it. Because I think you're saying coordination in two senses, I think. One is what you just said, which is that governments don't have to do it all on their own and shouldn't in some ways do it all on their own and can't. But they need to bring in, you know, business, uh, outside investors, civil society organizations, um, trade unions, and those sorts of group um, that bring people together if those exist. So there's got, it's got to be this kind of multi-stakeholder grouping which makes these decisions together and then implements them together because that gives a much more solid basis. But then also coordination in the sense of 
thinking um, about the different arenas or domains. So thinking, not just thinking about the industrial approach and the sectoral approach, but also about developing skills in education, about um, electricity, water, transport, the infrastructure needs, and thinking about that sort of in the round, which often you know, it seems like an obvious point, but it, for the most part, doesn't happen in many places in the world. So, how would, how does that, how do you bring that together? Yeah, that that the idea of of the local economic development is that that you you try to understand why something is not happening or what is needed to make it happen, and 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 look at your particular constraints because. This is, this is, you know, sometimes it's the skill that is lacking to, to this, the skilled workforce. Other times it's the access to electricity or road network. And, and that's why you have, you have to coordinate and talk to different stakeholders to first understand where the constraints are. And then you also have to involve others again, civil society organizations, university to see how you can develop solutions and approaches to 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 decrease uh, these bottlenecks and 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 build an environment the environment that is conducive because you know it's like often there's one thing that is missing but this is still enough for the whole system not to work and this is this is the logic or one of the logics of the local economic development to to try to really get the system right to 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 and there's a key role in there for the local government, which often is not emphasized in, you know, other approaches to economic development tend not to give a big role to local government. They put all the emphasis on national government. Yes, yeah, clearly. I mean, and this is also something we say in the report is, is like, and how much national policies are supportive of local government initiatives. So this is, for instance, decentralization uh, uh, laws and regulations. Uh, this is something that is crucially important to 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 uh, empower local governments more. Um, but then there's also the capacity within local administrations to 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 coordinate and think and implement these types of policies. So they so they need to have the legal and administrative environment to be able to do it. But we also need to develop the capacity within these local administrations to actually effectively uh, develop strategies and plans. And there, yeah, I mean, the capacity both in terms of the skills and organizational capabilities, but also the money. Yes. And that's a big part of your message as well. Yes. I mean, clearly there is a lot of money will be needed to, to, for, for, for Africa cities, for services, for infrastructure, for, 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 for climate, uh, environmental related uh, technologies investment. So it's clear it needs money. But there are also many initiatives and programs and, and things you can do that do not need enough, a lot of money initially. So you can, for instance, your zoning laws and planning, uh, uh, land planning strategies, they don't necessarily need money. You just have to plan that this, this area we're going to reserve for, for, for public buildings. There's going to be uh, roads. So initially this doesn't cost money. So it is really about the, the plan the capacity and the money. So it's uh, the three are, are equally important, uh, I would say. But yeah, but again, some of the most compelling 
um, numbers in your report yeah. were about the low investment and spending by in African cities on infrastructure and so on. I mean, remarkably um, smaller than in other parts of the world. And that's, you know, clearly something that has to be addressed. And there's, we, we sort of have to bring things to an end. But um, I think it's very, that's a very interesting chapter talking about how um, the financial arrangements need to change so that cities have access to more resources, both in their own jurisdictions, but also accessing the capital markets um, to be able to raise money to make the investments and then repay um, the debt that they have raised, which, you know, I think is something that has not really been thought much about in most of Africa, but is something that needs to be focused on. So um, I think we have to come to an end now, but just to repeat again, this is an incredibly interesting and stimulating piece of work that you've done and hopefully the start of um, a lot more work in your own organization but at the OECD but also elsewhere by academics and other researchers. There's lots of issues which I think are quite controversial, which we haven't touched on much. I mean, you know, I was interested in the idea of place-based versus space-blind approaches, which has been a big debate. Um, but maybe we can have a conversation about that another time. Let me just repeat for the, well, firstly, let me thank you very much. For, thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Uh, doing the podcast, doing the webinar we had earlier. The webinars on the um, ACRC website, if people want to have a look um, at that. Uh, and the report, again, it's called Africa's Urbanization Dynamics 2022, the Economic Power of Africa's Cities. Uh, Philip Heinrichs is the lead author. Um, you can find it on the OECD website or else on the UNECA and African Development Bank websites, uh, which are probably easier for most people to access. So thanks very much, Philip, and uh, let's keep it going. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Nice talking to you. You've been listening to the African Cities podcast. Remember to subscribe for more urban development insights and interviews from the African Cities Research Consortium.